What's up, everybody? I'm Brianna Mazzolini Blanchard, and you're listening to Life on the Margins, an urban native experience. In this episode, we sit down with Amy Lane. Amy is an activist, a community organizer, the program director for the Urban Native Collective, and the brains behind this podcast. In this episode, we talk about what it's like building community together and why Native women-led leadership is so important. I know you're going to love this episode, so let's jump into it. Yeah, tell everybody who you are. Well, hi, Bree, and hello to all our listeners. I'm Amy Lane. I serve as the program director at Urban Native Collective located in Cincinnati. Um, My journey with the organization began during its transition last December, and then I officially stepped into my role this past March with you. Yeah. You know, I have a background in mutual aid, direct action organizing. Um, I'm heavily involved with climate justice, food and land sovereignty, and indigenous rights. Amazing. So, yeah. Um, You know, I know that our listeners know that I am the executive director of the Urban Native Collective as well as the host of this podcast. But, you know, I think it's just so cool that we get to introduce our listeners to the other person working full time within the organization, (laughs) who is you, Amy, as the program director. So thank you for that lovely um, introduction to who you are and your background. You mentioned you know, mutual aid and food sovereignty and indigenous sovereignty. Can you like tell our listeners who might not know what that is, uh, what that is? Sure. You know, uh, to me, as far as uh, food sovereignty and land sovereignty goes, those are one and the same. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't have indigenous rights without either of those things. And when you think about indigenous communities, uh, I believe our community starts with food right. and the right to have it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. I feel like there might be just some folks, you know, we get a lot of folks listening that um, might not know. So I want to want to be sure that we explain what that is and why it's so important and crucial to not only our, like our programs at Urban right. Native Collective, but also to our larger indigenous community and also to like marginalized communities because Absolutely. food scarcity is apparent not only in Cincinnati, as we learned in a few episodes ago, we had some guests on, but also like within uh, communities all across the continent and beyond. And so, absolutely, um, yeah. So, you know, our organization has made a transition <laughs> right. in the last, you know, six months or so. Um, our listeners might remember us talking a little bit about the transition, um, but, you know, we've transitioned to a, a women-led leadership team. I mean, it's you and I. It is. So we are... Um, now a Native women-led leadership team here at the Urban Native Collective, previously the Greater Cincinnati Native American Coalition. You know, how important is, you know, working on a team of women, Native women, and being within this org that's now um, led by women? Why is that so important to you? Is it important to you? And like, oh, why? of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> and, and why might it be something so crucial to you and important to you? Well, I think... They're one and the same. Yeah. Um, What is important to me is I believe what it's important to having uh, woman leadership, women leadership involved, not only in nonprofits in general, but of course within the Native community as a whole. You know, I I think that we as women bring a a really diverse perspective that um, doesn't always exist outside of womanhood. Right. Right. you know, I think that when you consider 
the advances in social justice that we bring, land sovereignty, food sovereignty, mm-hmm. all of these things you find women at its core. Right. So I think going through the transition that we've gone through mm-hmm. as a nonprofit, bringing our community back together yeah. is uh, going to be not only really important, but I think will be helped by being in women-led spaces. Yeah. Yeah, and I know before we started this, we talked about how we wanted this convo to be uh, a conversation, not just me sitting here asking you questions. And I think, you know, because we work so closely together, um, as I think about what it means to be led by women, specifically Native women-led, and I think about, you know, even just, like, how our phones auto-correct, like, re- Repatriation yeah. to rematriation, yeah, yeah, right, 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 and how it's so commonplace to like call things repatriating or use that word patriarchy as it uh, in a, in how our society is structured, like as if it suits all culture, right. right? And so we talk about rematriation or we talk about the matriarchy, and it's like this foreign thing to not only our phones and autocorrect, but also to our society to understand. And like for me, you know. I love being able to work with a team of strong women, um, but I also love the ability to work with a community of strong Indigenous women. Um, You know, in episodes past, we talked about what it's like to work in white spaces. I think that was episode one where we talked about working in white spaces, and this is, at least for me, the first opportunity that I have to work with um, Indigenous people. Uh, in a non-white space, <laughs> and also another uh, and other strong Indigenous women, and so you know this is just a testament to how we begin in my mind that rematriation work and that returning to um, tradition yeah. and and all of that for me anyway, and so you know. I feel like personally, it's uh, it's like what I what I needed <laughs> in a career, fair, right? Fair. And but also within my my community, and so you know, I think that that's a big crucial part of why it's so important for me too. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I think us having this space um, creates healing just by having it, right? And to be able to create a healing that is uh, felt through the community is so uh, so important and the work we're doing is so important because yeah, of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you said that, you know, women or native women led leadership is super important um, to our community. Can you, you know, sh- is there anything else that you want to kind of share about why like, you know, native women led leadership is so important to like organizations why it's so important to the Native community. Like, what does it look like to return to that traditional structure of, like, how our community was led? I mean, we've been, because of colonization, so uh, our society's been so shifted to, like, this idea of patriarchal leadership. And and so, like, what and why, in your mind, is it so important that um, organizations and our Native community are women-led? Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind when you talk about that is, of course, just the leadership of the future. Right. Right. You know, um, serving as a role model for generations to come yeah. and having the opportunity to hopefully fill those shoes and educate and offer tradition and knowledge to the next generation that comes after us. I think that for me personally, 
um, I didn't get to grow up in my community. Yeah. Um, I view reclamation of, of culture as a lifelong uh, event that mm-hmm. I will be doing till, and I will be working with until right. I die, yeah. right? And I often think the older I get about how often having a grandmother or an aunt or an older sister in my community to help guide me and offer knowledge and to share stories and all of the things that are so important to passing that knowledge to the next generation, how I wasn't really able to have that in my life and how important it is to me to be able to um, offer it to the next generation, what I didn't have myself. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you talk about your, um, you know, your upbringing and why it's so important to be surrounded by matriarchs and others. Can you kind of elaborate a little bit more on on your upbringing and your yeah experiences as an indigenous youth or you know into adulthood or whatever that might look like for you? Sure. Um, for me, I uh, had a father that wasn't in the picture very mm-hmm. often. Um, it wasn't uh, a safe situation with my father, and so he was missing a lot of the time. Um, my People are from Mississippi, Tennessee, and Alabama. Uh, They were part of the walk and uh, were removed. Uh, Unfortunately, when you start to go down that road, of course, you have so many factors that play into what happens to our families um, at this time, one being paper genocide, uh, just the great removal itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, So many things play a factor in it. And for me, um, I had... uh, a very typical story. Um, my grandmother was taken. Her mother was taken. My father's mother wasn't too pleased with who she was and looked at her indigeneity as the very thing that uh, destroyed her. Right. And so these weren't really happy people. These were very traumatized women and very hurt women who were doing the best they knew how to get through life. So unfortunately... Um, I didn't have access to our stories and to our people as a whole growing up. So I always knew who I was, but I didn't know who I was. Right. So I was raised by a a Scottish and Melungeon mother. I think that in her way, she offered what she could, what she understood, what she knew how, but that wasn't very much. Mm -hmm. And so I can definitely tell you how it has affected me as an adult and that is sometimes even as a grown-up, I feel so lost. Right. And I think that's something that you find in the mixed indigenous yeah. uh, community a great deal is that we don't, regardless of age, uh, we don't all have access, we don't all have community, and we don't always feel like we know where we're supposed to be. Yeah. And that's such a testament to why it's so important that we... Uh, I don't even know, just like have, have women in leadership and have women leading community and why it's so important to have these people in these spaces and amplify these people in these spaces. I've shared previously on this podcast a little bit about, you know, my upbringing as a, a person who was very disconnected from my indigenous youth as well. And for my, for me and my story, you know, it, it sort of centers around my mother who's indigenous, who's like all of my ties to that. So 
you know, when I think about your experience, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like one of which you were sort of uh, raised without this uh, idea or understanding of, of who you are in your indigeneity and how, you know, we as a community kind of yearn for these things. And it's a story that is so prevalent within so many urban natives and so many native communities. Um, and for me, like putting healthy, uh, strong women, native women in, in, at the, at the pinnacle of our community is like what I didn't have. And so, you know, I had this like really unhealthy relationship with my mother who wasn't somebody that I'd necessarily want to look at as like a matriarch or, or someone that I would want like leading me or my community. And so, you know, when I look at why, what we're creating and what this can create everywhere else and what we can amplify, it's um, about creating healthy uh, relationships and healthy communities about bringing right. people who feel lost into a space where they may for just a little bit not feel lost anymore and they they um, they'll feel that sense of community absolutely they, right. they grow in a sense of community where it's warm and inviting right. and you know um, they feel as though you know you and I and leadership or anyone else in the space is looking out for them and right. cares about them Absolutely. and has got their back and is a place where teaching can happen and learning can happen and trust and all these wonderful things that I think we collectively want to grow Absolutely. within um, this organization through our programs and our initiatives and everything else that we do. But, you know, I just, I think that, um, especially in like the nonprofit space, especially because we, we right. walk this line where we are a community collective, but we're also a legal nonprofit. And so we're, you know, nonprofits can feel very, um, I don't know, like all about the money and you're very, um, I don't know, like you've got your one executive director who's like in charge of everybody else. And it's not a very collective Right. team effort where where people who are on staff or in leadership or who aren't the executive director feel like they have a part to play in the story. Yeah. And so, you know, I think what we're trying to do here within Urban Native Collective, or at least what I want to do here, is create a community approach to how we care and, and exist. And so um, I, I'm, I'm so thankful that I get to do this with you as the program director. And you know, that we have these very different but very similar stories of, like, reconnection and growing up, like, for me, growing up in, like, an extremely white space or what felt like a white space, right? And learning uh, and relearning and growing in connection with my Indigenous roots and my Indigenous culture and my Indigenous community, um, and, and I get to do that here. So as much as, like, I'm leading something, I feel like I'm learning from and like get to grow within this community too. Well, I mean, that's the idea, right? Yeah. You know, is that our children can teach us, we can teach each other right. and that if we can be a collective and we can work with each other, that we can help e- each other all heal, grow, learn and educate. Yeah. And it's like, this is what I wanted to talk about in this episode, <laughs> because I know there's a lot of listeners in the Cincinnati area who are like listening to our podcast and they are really interested and curious about what we're doing as an organization sure. since the transition from the Greater Cincinnati Native American Coalition. And I think it's relevant and so cool that we get to talk about, you know, 
how we've changed and what we're growing. And like, yeah, the org has been through some stuff, but like we're growing something really beautiful and new. Absolutely. And, um, and it's so important that our Cincinnati, greater Cincinnati and Ohio and, you know, Northern Kentucky and Eastern Indiana, like all those communities understand what we're doing, but I think it's so parallel to what's, what happens in other urban native communities too, in other metropolitan areas and how we um, like exist as urban native communities. Cause like, you and I come from very different indigenous backgrounds. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you get that when you're in these urban native spaces or urban spaces as a whole, like this conglomerate of people from all different walks of life. Well, especially in, in, in the Midwest, especially right. in Ohio. Right. You know, we have no federally recognized tribes right. left in the state. And uh, and we have a, a, a very um, important history that really gets quite overlooked in Ohio. Yeah. And uh, we have this very large community that's extremely disconnected. Yeah. And spread out. And so, you know, I, I'm really excited about that part. Yeah. How can we bring in uh, folks from that tri-state area? Yeah. So we're all working together and growing community and actively getting to participate in the growth of each other. Yeah. That's so... I'm so glad you mentioned that because, you know, the thing that came to mind when you said that is, you know, our vision of united indigenous communities. And that's complicated, right? It is. It is complicated. With the history of just indigenous people in Ohio, with, you know, the specific transition within our organization and how native leaders have worked together in Ohio and other areas within this region, um... It's complicated how it how we um, you know we want to come from a place of, of united indigenous communities and really believe that collectively we are stronger together and I Absolutely. I know that you and I firmly believe that and want to facilitate a space within the urban native collective where people can feel like you know maybe they're First Nations maybe they're um, you know they have South American ancestry uh, you know that that everyone can feel like this is a place for them and that we're not gonna say you know you're not native enough you're, you're not, not this or yeah. that or no yeah. absolutely um, and it is a lot to navigate because yeah. of course the complexities within the indigenous community are that of so many other uh, marginalized communities right you know there is lateral violence there's mm-hmm. colorism there's so many issues that come from from trauma that are are bred in all of these marginalized communities and we are not any different right so it is a lot to navigate and the opportunities there though yeah right isn't it so interesting how like so many of these issues right we're talking about women-led leadership and we're talking about returning to the matriarchy and like rematriating and all these things that are very like women and centered um, right and like you get to that and you're like oh wow like colonialism really destroyed all of that our ability uh, to do that and yeah. it's so interesting to me how these patriarchal ideas and like colonialism has brought in so much complexity and harm to like us as native communities i mean mm. when we think about lateral violence and when we think about the harm within our community and we think about um just things that impact even our our own internal indigenous communities like it's when i point the finger i'm pointing the finger at colonialism and and that's caused so much harm um and i know we found ourselves like 
between a rock and a hard place mm -hmm. in, in many instances, like with no other choice. And it just, you know, as we try to like go back to and move back to tradi tradition and really amplify these traditional ways of, of being women native led and, and all of that, like, it's just so interesting to me how in order to do that, we have to pull away from this idea that our society has been structured around forever. Oh, yeah. And how do you do that? And especially when on the other side of that is white uh, female yeah. uh, or white feminism. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, that's a whole other issue that has brought poison into our communities. Um, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with with women talking about female liberation and, and women identifying liberation and it's nonsense because us as people didn't need liberated. Right. They needed liberated as they were cattle within yeah. their culture. Right. Uh, and when I say culture, of course, you know, I use that word, um, as an umbrella over mm -hmm. patriarchy. Sure. Right. Um, you know, so I think it's it's really interesting because all of these things really need to be discussed um, in depth and ongoingly until we understand how they have managed to to cause harm mm -hmm. in our communities. Yeah. Because I think that you know, as as women in particular, Indigenous women, we recognize that white feminism has created harm. Yeah. But what does that mean? Right. To what yeah, end? Yeah. Right. So you know, we have to not only deconstruct and and re-indigenize why mm -hmm. they figure out how to decolonize, right? Right. right. Decolonizations for the white folks, right? Yeah. Um, we also simultaneously have to pick apart how uh, white-led feminism has poisoned us and how. How is the exact thought that we have to get to so we can break that down so we can understand how to heal from it? Yeah. Because I can't help but feel like that in itself has dug in deeper into our psyches as indigenous women. Yeah. More than anything else has right, in right. the last 30, 40, 50 years. Well, and I think that the intersection is like feminism's supposed to be this very empowering thing, right? It, this empowering idea. Um, and, and when you talk about like women leadership, right? Right. Like a lot of people's brains are going to go to, well, feminism and like women and women led empowerment and everything. Yet I think so few people actually recognize what it is that you're saying now and how harmful white feminism can be to indigenous women led leadership or, or indigenous women to yeah. the black and brown community and that complicated intersection. Yeah. I mean, like, can you talk more about that? And just like how, I don't know, like it's done in the attempt to do good, right, and be this place it's of empowerment, it's caused a lot of harm to um, communities of color and mm -hmm. indigenous communities and indigenous women and how, uh, you know, we operate in these spaces. Like, white women have done so much harm to... Well, they're actively still doing yeah. harm. Yeah. And, and there's unfortunately a lot of uh, folks out there who, who still really don't see it. Yeah. And and they're young. It's not just a certain demographic or a certain generation. It's I, I, I hear a lot of it out of the the uh, younger communities, you know, this poison and and the whole point was equanimity. Mm -hmm. That was my understanding. Yeah. Equanimity, right? And we came from peoples that we already had that. Right. We didn't need liberated. Right. Right. So I can see why the feelings there 
but it seems that the door closes there. There, yeah. there, there seems to be a willful refusal to recognize, right. you know, the harm that that purview is still bringing into marginalized communities. Yes, yeah. right, right. It like blinds people. Like it blinds it white women to the idea that like. Okay, well, when you're so sold on white feminism and this female liberation, like, you completely forget about the intersection of color and race Mm -hmm. and, like, how all of these things impact people who are your neighbors, who are your best friends, who are your community. And uh, it's so important to talk about in the context of this conversation as we talk about building up strong organizations that are led by people of color, led by Native women, especially our organization, (laughs) um, that we address and call out that piece of it because of how it does continue to harm, you know. Um, Yeah, so I'm just really grateful that you, like, brought that up because I think it's such an important intersection within our conversation. Um, You know, as we move forward and we build this organization and we, um, you know, continue to rebuild. It feels like a rebuild, like a, a, a blossoming out of the ground, like a blooming, right. uh, which is funny because we do have like a garden project that is blooming. We do. And so, we do. you know, um, I'd love for you to talk about some of the programs, uh, since you are the program director, sure. um, some of the programs that you've implemented that we've worked together to implement since March and April, um, you know, what you're, what you're most excited about and kind of, yeah, just share about sure, what we've done sure. and what you're excited about. So there's the podcast that yes. we're speaking on right now. <laughs> uh, this was um, one of the first projects that I really worked to build um, uh, through the previous uh, through GC and AC. Right, right. Into, of course, Urban Native Collective. Yeah. Um, it sort of uh, was a real easy task sure. because you and Homer, of course, just kind of took off with it. And Before and I was it, even in this role. And it worked really well. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I, I think the things I'm most excited about is, uh, is the Native Sovereignty Center, which, right. of course, we have transitioned our offices uh, located in the north side of Cincinnati into a small community center. Um, to me, this is where the life for mm-hmm. all programs is going to be birthed, right? right? Um, I'm currently working on our lending library, which is uh, Indigenous Pages. We have some education that we're developing to be able to offer into the local community. We have um, our Urban Garden Project, our Food Sovereignty Project. Uh, We didn't really expect to be able to get it off the ground this year, right? It's incredible. And um, it just so happened that we were offered a uh, small little piece of uh, land at Gourmet Heritage uh, Farms. And we were able to get started on this urban garden project right away. Um, In the meantime, we had someone involved with our organization that donated about a third of an acre in Northern Kentucky. And so that's gonna be our second grow. And uh, I'm really excited to see what comes with this because I really wanna work with all the different uh, communities here in Cincinnati to really grow some food sovereignty uh, while working with other communities, yeah. and uh, Cincinnati itself is a real food desert issue. Right. Well, no, right. right? You know, um, it is not uncommon for folks in Cincinnati to need to drive 30, 40, even an hour away right. to be able to get groceries yeah. 
in a massive metropolitan area. Mm. So my big design on the Food Sovereignty Program is to work intersectionally with so many other communities and to really start uh, offering some of that uh, liberation through food within communities uh, and why growing our community. Right. You know, so simultaneously being able to grow food in traditional ways um, that are based in our indigenous values. Mm-hmm. And so we have that for us as well. Um, you and I are working on this wellness fitness yeah. program. Um, I'm, I'm super excited to see what it comes, uh, what comes of it. Brie, of course, is a climber, so that's going to be a huge part yeah. of this wellness and fitness. Um, I'm pretending to be a climber on the side. <laughs> you're, uh, you're a climber. <laughs> uh, we won't call me a climber. I wish to climb, but I am not a climber. Um, but I'm super excited about uh, marrying in this wellness and fitness yeah. Uh, along with the food sovereignty and then of course you know emotional fitness and mm-hmm. and mental wellness and all the other all the other factors that play a part into your total health as an individual right. and so those are the things we're working on right now uh, we've got a lot more brewing but right. we, that's a conversation for later <laughs> no I'm so thrilled that you shared a lot of that with our community I'm sure they're not only really excited to know what we're up to, but, um, you know, I think that for me, some of the pieces that just make me so excited is that we weren't really anticipating this plot of land and this grow, right. this first grow in uh, in our plot of land at Gorman Heritage Farm to yield the results that it did oh, over a short amount of time. I, I think that... And we may have talked about this on a prior episode, but we planted seeds in May and we... Last week of May. Yeah. Last weekend of May. And we were able to feed like over 30 families with that first grow, indigenous families at that, and um, as that is the intention right. of the farm, of the garden. Um, and we're already on our, our second grow and it's... And, and we have another plot of, plot of land and it's just phenomenal that um, you know, like we're able to provide this nutritious... Um, these nutritious foods to right. the Native community who have had nutrition stolen from them and, oh, and given scraps oh, and, and, and things to cook with and that we can marry it with a fitness program that um, does good not only physically but mentally as well. And so, you know, being able to provide for the whole body, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of orgs around as there are in any big metropolitan area that can, like, provide resources, right, right? To communities. You know, they can provide access to health care. They can provide um, financial resources and all of these various things. But, you know, there are other avenues to, to do that. Absolutely. There are, there's, there's, you know, orgs can provide mental health resources, and that's incredibly important. Sure. And we can provide that as well through tra- traditional ways of you know, indigenous food systems and being able to grow and give these healthy food and nutritious foods back to the community and get our bodies moving and possibly get out on the land and, and Absolutely. do all of these things. Um, well, especially when you know that they've used this to kill us. Right. Commodity boxes were to kill us. And the health issues that stem from those commodities up yeah. to today um, and, and lack of access, especially to those... Um, out on the res, mm-hmm. you know, not all reses have access. Most don't. Um, it really depends on where you are. So, I mean, 
having uh, an opportunity to create something that really offers, hopefully down the road, you know, cooking classes yeah. and traditional medicine harvesting and things of that nature. I think it's a real opportunity that yeah. that isn't always had everywhere. Yeah, uh, I just I so much I love so much that we're beginning to cultivate and grow this food sovereignty program. I think it's um, just so central to the work that we're doing. I love, obviously people know that we have a podcast because we're talking on it right now (laughs) and we have a lot of really amazing listeners. Um, you know, our, our, um, organization has really amplified this podcast a lot. And so it's really been an avenue to be able to provide education and information and like conversation with other urban natives, um, but also with other marginalized community members and like really talk about issues that we all face and um you know not only that but just uh like our community center right our community center that we we spent what feels like a thousand years but really was just a few months remodeling and just what a coat of paint can do to transition a space from you know what it was to what it's it's going to be now and bringing in fresh carpet and like a new coat of paint and even just some TLC, right? Some care and to transform a space that was associated with um, the prior leadership and the organization to a space that feels warm and welcoming and new. And completely new. And completely exactly. new, exactly. And, and there was so much care that went into that from you who kind of spearheaded the, pro- the project, but from everybody that was involved because we're growing something new. We're regrowing. We're healing. We are coming at it from a women, native-led, native women-led approach and with care for our community and this space. And, um, you know, we're I know I'm excited. I'm sure I know you're excited about opening the space up for our community to to visit here in the next month or so. So, um, you know, and all the things that we're going to get to accomplish in that space. And right. Um, and that's what I'm truly excited about yeah. seeing, because yeah. that, like I said earlier, is this is going to be our home base mm-hmm. that our community can really feel safe bring ideas, bring classes, bring education, bring good times, cups of coffee. Yeah. All of it can be had there. And that is just so instrumental mm-hmm. in growth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In our growth right. as a community. And there's so many programs down the road and things we oh, haven't yeah. even envisioned yet. Um, and that's, I think, part of the excitement, too, is uh, what's what's to come and what's possible. Well, this is the place ideas uh, grow, too, untapped, right? Untapped, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The untapped, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say, like world or everything available to us that we haven't tapped into yet. Um, it's a really exciting time. And I think the other piece of it that I'm really grateful for as we've built um, ourselves as this women-led leadership and we're built rebuilding this community is um the excitement from the community and also like our partners as well right those that have um remained with us through the transition new people and new organizations and partners that have come on board and are excited to invest in what we're doing support amplify what we're doing um that excitement and I mean, trust in yeah. us too is, um, I know I'm really grateful for it. And I know that it's going to like also help really 
fuel us and empower us into what we do. It, it really is. I, you know, I have to say that I'm super excited as well about the amount of support that we've gotten. I was surprised that we were able, as we transitioned and went through all of the bumps and bruises sure. of this transition, which took a lot of our attention, mm -hmm. as you well know, uh, for many months, that we were able to grow uh, this much support, not only just support within the community, but also a lot of new sponsors and a lot yeah. of new, yeah. a lot of new folks. You know, really um, building up our our funds so yeah. that we can develop these right. programs out, and that's a really new thing for this organization because I know previously. Um, they, they didn't really have those resources. Right, right. So we've created not only um, resources to begin with, but uh, we've just had so much support from the community and, and yeah. business and small business and women-led business. I know. And uh, yeah, and I think that's a testament to just the health of the organization now, um, you know, that we can reach out and connect and partner with organizations and people and be transparent and vulnerable in this space and um because you know when that's not happening it it's a telltale testament that things are probably not operating very healthily within an org absolutely know? well and i mean our big one am i allowed to say it i'm just gonna say it i mean we have been here six months and we have indian collectives support. oh yeah yeah i mean it's that's, incredible it's 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 just i i can't even express my gratitude right. towards Indian Collective and what they have done uh, for not only our organization, but for our local community, what they don't even know they've done yet because we haven't even had time to build it, you know? Sure. So I think that, uh, you know, I, I look at that and it just blows my mind. Yeah. I, I really don't <laughs> think I have words to express how... Yeah the gratitude and the excitement that I have for what's possible because when you've never explored what's possible before and in six months begin to realize um, what's possible and believe in what's happening right. and hear from community members that they believe in what's happening and they want to come along for this journey. Uh, it's uh, a, from the bottom of my heart, I mean, I, I'm internally grateful for all of that. Um, I am too. I, you know, just recently, and I, I told you a little bit about it, you know, we had a community, community member, um, young woman, um, talk to me about just how what we're doing is creating a, a space for healing for yeah. her and her mother. Right. And how grateful they are just to have this space mm -hmm. and that they didn't even expect that what we were doing and their small involvement with it would somehow transition into this uh, space of healing for yeah. their family right. and for each other. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. And, you know, I, we haven't even talked about is our Indigenous Peoples Day convergence. Right. That is coming up in, oh my gosh, less than two weeks. Yep. Um, and so... You know, this is coming up. It's uh, our legacy um, event that we've had right. over the last few years. And you've done so much planning for it. And I, you know, would love if you shared with our listeners, you know, first of all, what is it? What are we doing? I mean, I could share, but it, it's going to come so much better <laughs> coming from you. And like, what, what can folks expect? And like, why should they come out and join us for this? 
Well, this year is Amplified Afro-Indigenous Voices. Uh, we are hosting, of course, a gallery opening with amazing uh, artists and performers on October 6th. Mm -hmm. uh, you can come down to 21C downtown on Walnut and join us from 6 to 9. Uh, it, it is absolutely going to be a wonderful time. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, we have spoken word. We have dancers and drummers and singers. We have painters. You choose. You can find it. You know, whatever <laughs> you're looking for. We got to look for all of it. Um, you know, Saturday, back down at 21C on October 7th, mm -hmm. is our speaker series. And uh, one of the things I really wanted to see happen this year is our performers and artists be the ones that were speaking to uh, to not only our community, but the, uh, the tri-state area as a whole who yeah. comes out to these events with us and really have um, space to have a discussion about what they feel the most passionate about. Mm -hmm. um, I am not Afro-Indigenous. Right. This is not an experience <laughs> I'm having. Exactly. And so I thought it was uh, uh, really great. Everyone was really into uh, having that opportunity to speak on their own behalf in their communities um, about what it means to be them, the yeah. things they care and love and are passionate about. So that is going to go on from 11 to 8 p.m. on Saturday. It is free. All the events are free. Um, you can come down. Deeper Roots will be with us yeah. Saturday, Saturday from uh, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Mm. Uh, offering uh, on the house coffees and teas yeah. for our uh, guests. Uh, Sunday, you know, when I was planning out what to do for Sunday, um, it occurred to me that maybe what was best is bringing this community together right. and us having some time to just be an indigenous community together. Yeah. Uh, artists, performers, folks involved in the organization. So that day we are going to be spending some time together in a private event and enjoying each other's company and really just learning and growing community. And so, you know, we've put out there that we would love for you to, and would love and encourage you to go see the the speaker series, right. go to the gallery opening, uh, sit down at your computer and learn. Right. You know, we just encourage you to take action any way you can to partake that Sunday. And then, of course, October 9th is Indigenous Peoples Day. Uh, we are holding a feast at Jacob, uh, Jacob Hofner Park in the north side from 5 to 9. Mm. Um, we're asking folks to bring a blanket, a chair, a mess kit, and uh, maybe a dish yes, to please, share. Sure. Please bring a dish. <laughs> and uh, we'll be hosting some indigenous foods. Uh, we will have dancers and singers and drummers. Uh, but really, the feast day is to just enjoy each other's company yeah. and to really celebrate us right. to celebrate us as indigenous people and yeah. to be together. I know that I'm super thrilled about it. And, um, so, you know, Friday the 6th through Monday the 9th is going to be a really phenomenal weekend that we get to celebrate with, um, not only our indigenous community here, but the, the broader, the broader yeah, the broader community yeah. and, and the event is free and, you know, it's something, like I said, it's our, it's our legacy program, um, something that we're continuing to keep going through this transition with our community, with the greater Cincinnati area. Um, and yeah, I just so excited about it. I know that, you know, the biggest thing for our organization through this transition has obviously been 
um, through support in a variety of different ways, but of course, you know, with financial support as well. And so, you know, with this event and also with our organization as a whole, um, there are ways that that you, if you feel so compelled to, to donate to our cause and our community can do so on our website. And that should be pretty easily navigated, um, you know, going to our website, but all other information on Indigenous Peoples Day Convergence and the other amazing programs that um, Amy is spearheading uh, right now can also be found on our on our website and you know all the things that we hopefully will build after this point um, yeah and it's just you know it all comes back to in my mind to um, you know focusing on this like women native women led leadership now within this organization and really focusing on that and what it looks like to build that and what it looks like to lead uh, from that place and build community that's focused on that and from that place and how much can happen. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? How much can happen in such a short amount of time. And I know that in a year or two from now, we're going to like look back and listen to this episode and look back at this moment and just be in awe of how much we've grown and accomplished. Uh, and, accomplished. Yeah. and um, you know, there's this idea that, um, you know, indigenous people are gone, right, from these areas. <laughs> right. There's this this very saturated idea that, like, we're few and far between. Right. And that there isn't community. And I think that one thing we've completely debunked, right, mm -hmm. um, and just shown already in the short amount of time is that um, this community is not small. I mean, we know that by numbers. Oh, and we, we know, absolutely. I mean, what what we know is that, like, even in the short amount of time, so many people have reached out and wanted yeah. to get involved. And the lie that we can continue to tell ourselves in a, this very urban native community is that, you know, we're limited and we've got, we of course have to stick together because we've right. been forced out and we've been displaced. And of course, you know, we don't, we're not coming at it in droves and like in huge collective groups, but, but there are so many of us and we're all thousands upon yeah. thousands upon yeah. thousands of us here. And yeah. what I want to do is let people know that like, we're creating a space for you. And Absolutely. we hope that, that everyone in this region um, wants to be involved with what we're doing and wants to grow community here uh, because it's not just a few of us. Like we're growing at an exponential rate and it's so beautiful to it see. Is. It's so beautiful to you see. You know, it, it it's amazing a couple of things, you know, to, to touch on that yeah. you were just speaking of. The first thing is, is that we just are trying so hard. And I know that you and I are in agreement, but we of course have a yet another complex issue to navigate, which is what is and who is indigenous, sure. right? Not to go too deep down in that, yeah. but I know that you and I together are trying to redefine its meaning in our area, which is to all indigenous people of the mm. Western hemisphere, mm. right? And and I think that that is something that needs to be spoken on more because yeah. I believe not only do we have some complexities within our own community, but they're outside of our community yeah. that understanding as well. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I know that as collective, as a collective, we can we can really redefine that in our area yeah. and is going to build such a huge community for us to resource. Right. It's so it exciting is. what we're building. And I'm so thrilled that you were able to share with our listeners on this episode a little bit about you, um, right, and how important and integral you've been in everything that we've built here. 
um, you know, why this podcast exists. Like, <laughs> it started with you, Amy, and I think that's so important that our our listeners know that. And our listeners are growing, and they're not just in this region, but like we're, we have listeners all, all over, over the, the place, place now. Yeah. And um, so important to kind of know where it started and what you're helping us build, and just how strong this this leadership is, and our uh, our team is, and why it's so important to build strong Native women led leadership um, within our organization, but also allow our community to understand that that's what we're doing, and invite them in to be a part of it. Um, yeah, just grateful for you. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm grateful for, for you back. All of it. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> this episode was brought to you by the support of our community. We are so grateful to our Native and Indigenous community for supporting this podcast and supporting the work of this organization. We really could not do this without you. And we are also super grateful for the support of our non-Native community members and organizations. Thank you all so much to everyone who believes in the work that we're doing and what we are building here together. As a reminder, our Indigenous Peoples Day Convergence is coming up. And like Amy and I shared, it's taking place October 6th, through the 9th. So head on over to our website to find more information. Let us know you're coming and to donate to our cause. As a reminder, please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast. And until next time, take care.